know the story of Samuel and the voice. Not a lot of people are raising their hands. Maybe as I tell it, you'll be like, oh, I remember that story. And what we're doing as we're pulling these stories out is we're applying it to our lives so that, so that again, we can allow God to speak to us through his word. So let's get into the story from the book of 1 Samuel. And I want to I start by just giving you some backstory before we get to the lesson. The lesson today is going to be all about learning to hear God's voice, learning to discern God's voice in your life. You're, make, you're trying to make a decision, quitting a job, changing a job, dating somebody, young people, um, where, where to go to college, right? What, whether to move or not. For Tracy and I, we, years ago, we had to make the decision when we were living in Chicago, uh, where were we going to plant a church? Where were we going to go into ministry? Um, and so these are, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at this story from the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to see this young boy who hears the voice of God, but he's not sure he's hearing the voice of God. Can anybody relate to that? Now, I've never audibly heard the voice of God. But there are many times in my life where I can point to it and I could say those were really important moments in my life where I had to make an important decision and I wanted to make sure that I was following God's leading in that decision, not just doing what I wanted to do. And so today, before I even get into the backstory, I just want you to think about, maybe, maybe already you've got something in your mind, you're like, oh, this is perfect because I'm facing a decision right now that's, that's important. Maybe God's going to speak to me this morning. I hope that he does. But I want you to think about a time, either right now or in the near future or in the past, when you had to make a decision and you really wanted God's guidance, you wanted God's direction on it, you wanted to make sure that you were doing what God wanted you to do instead of just what you wanted to do. I hope you have an example like that. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, then I hope that every decision that we make, we're, we're really putting before God and we're saying, God, I want to do the right thing here. I want to, I want to follow your way. I want, to be, I want to be submitted to your way. And we're going to see some lessons on that from this story. So before we get to that story, where we're going to hear how Samuel is being called to by God, I want to give you the backstory. It's important for you to understand the backstory, because otherwise you're not going to understand how this whole story ends. So here's the backstory. First of all, Samuel, young Samuel, was a miracle child. We see in 1 Samuel 11, verse 1, it says, Hannah, Hannah's Samuel's mom, Hannah was barren like many women in the Old Testament who ended up having children. Hannah was barren, she couldn't have a child. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. So this is Hannah's vow to God, Hannah's commitment to God, give me a kid. If you want to read the full story, read 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's really interesting. Hannah is being mocked for being barren. It's really sad. And so Hannah is crying out in desperation to God. God, give me, please give me a child. Okay, the next thing. Samuel, so she has this miracle child. Samuel is his name. And he assisted Eli, the priest, in the temple. Hannah says this in her prayer. She said, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. And now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli, the priest. So can you imagine this, by the way? Hannah has this, she cries out to God for a child. God gives her a child, and she just, she like gives him up. That's crazy to me. She, gives, she lets him go live. When, when he's old enough, she, she, she just says, all right, you're God's. And he goes and lives in the temple 
and has an incredible career as a prophet and priest of God. Pretty cool story if you know anything about Samuel. By the way, Samuel's the one that ends up anointing David later on in the story when David becomes king. It's that Samuel. This is, this is his story as a boy. So Samuel's in the, in the temple with Eli the priest. Next thing, this is important. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Everybody say that, Hophni and Phinehas. That's just fun. Come on, Hophni and Phinehas. All right, that's fun. And they were worthless. <laughs> so, so don't name your kids Hophni or Phinehas. That'd be, I would recommend that. And it says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the sons of Eli were scoundrels <laughs> who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. So we see this contrast between the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and Samuel, just a young boy at this point, and Samuel really served the Lord with a pure heart. It says that he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. So it's almost like he's, he's not a priest yet, but he's almost being, being groomed to be a priest, to be a man of God. And this is indeed what ends up happening. And so then that leads us to the most important point of our backstory because this is where God speaks audibly to Samuel. And we see it here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 12. It says, one night Eli the priest, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. So they're in the temple. And it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. The ark of God is the place where the spirit of the Lord was said to dwell on, to, on the cover of the ark of the Lord. And it says, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Now, if you know the story, Samuel didn't recognize it to be the voice of God. And, and God actually does this three different times for Samuel. How many times do we see in the Bible that it happens three different times that God tries to get our attention, Right? We see that we saw, I think we saw that last week. We see that in the story of Peter. God, for some reason, I don't know if, I think it's probably us. Sometimes God has to, has to try to get through to us a few times. And maybe this morning, for some of you, might be your third time where God's trying to get through to you on something he's trying to speak to you. And so I pray that you'll have an open heart to hear it. So let's take a look at the story. There's three lessons, three tests that I want to encourage you to put yourself through if you feel like you've heard from God, there's three tests that we can pull out of this story, and I think these are valid tests to use even today to test if the message you think you're hearing is from God or not, because what can happen is we can fool ourselves into thinking we're hearing from God and we're only actually hearing from ourselves, or we're hearing from our culture, or we're hearing what we want to hear, not what God wants to speak to us. And so I love this story for that reason. I think it gives us these three tests. Put, put your message, the message that you think you're hearing from God, put it through these three tests. Test number one for how you can know if you're really hearing from God is this. Does the message match up with what God has already spoken? Does the, mess, does the message you think you're hearing from God I think God wants me to go to Utah. You know, Tracy, Tracy and I, 22 years ago, had to make this decision. We felt called into ministry, and we were trying to decide where to, where to come do ministry, and it was between the inner cities. We were from Chicago, so it was the inner city of Chicago. It was Tucson, Arizona, because I, I have a heart for, for Mexico, or it was Utah, 
And we were trying to, 22 years ago, we were trying to make this important decision that could change the rest of our lives, where we raise our kids, all this kind of stuff. And we were really, so for me, for me as I explain these tests, I'm going to share my, our story of, of really making a decision to come, just in case you're wondering, we decided on Utah. Yeah, I could, some of you looked really concerned, like, I wonder what he's going to decide. We, we ended up coming here. So sorry to spoil that, but that's what we did. And so we, we actually had to put our decision through the tests, through these tests. Number one, does the message match, match up with what God has already spoken? Now, let me show you where I get this from in the story so that you, you can kind of track with us here. It says in 1 Samuel 3, uh, 3 verse 1, it says, in those days... This is really interesting. Messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Now, should that be surprising? No, we just saw that Hophni and Phinehas were scoundrels. So God's priests were scoundrels. Eli was their dad, and Eli, if you know the story, Eli wasn't a good dad. So it's no wonder that they're not hearing from God because God's messengers were not doing their job, right? Right? So messages from the Lord were very rare in those days. And it says this in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's crazy. Young Samuel didn't even know the Lord yet. He didn't even know God yet. Because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So I wanted to put that up there because I I want you to understand that Samuel couldn't do this first thing. Samuel never actually heard from God before, so he, he couldn't put it to the test. Samuel, Samuel clearly wasn't raised in a, in, a, in a God-fearing culture, actually, but we're going to see that God uses him anyway. God breaks through that anyway. But here's the difference. We have heard from God, and we can hear from God whenever we want to, and we, because we have God's Word. We have the Bible. That's the difference between now and this story thousands of years ago is now we have the Bible and God's word, the Bible, is God's message to us. And so that's why test number one is always, if you're ever trying to figure out God's will, test number one is always, well, does it match up with what God says in his word? We see this in uh, the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, it says, you must remain faithful. This is Paul talking to Timothy, who was a young man, a young minister, kind of like Samuel. So there's some parallelism here. He says, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught, this is interesting, by contrast to Samuel, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. That's what Timothy, Timothy was raised in a Christian home, He had been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and he says, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And we, we, like Timothy, we even have more than what Timothy had, because Timothy only had the Old Testament. Timothy, at the time that Timothy was alive, he didn't have the New Testament yet, the way we have it. So look, young people, this is amazing, and all of us really, old people even, God's not done with us, I guess. Like, we have his word right here. So if you think you're hearing from God, the very first test you have to put it through is, does it match up with what God has already revealed in his word? So let's go back to my story. Let's go back to my example. For Tracy and I, we felt like God was calling us to plant a church. Does that match up with God's word? Of course it does. That's in line with God's word. God calls, 
God calls us to share the gospel, to spread the message of Jesus. So for us, it was, a, it was kind of a no-brainer, whatever decision we made. For us, it was a no-brainer, wherever we went, that we'd be aligned with God's word. By contrast, I remember when we first started Alpine, um, we were meeting in our first rental location 20 years ago, and we used to do this thing, we used to do it like a prayer time at the beginning of our services, where we allow people to stand up and share a prayer request. And, uh, and I, I still remember this plain as day, this gentleman stands up over here to my right, and he, he stands up and he says, hey, pray, pray for me because I'm, I'm praying, you know, God has reconnected me with a high school sweetheart, and, and I just really feel like God is, God is telling us that we should get married. So pray for me as I go through a divorce to get married to my high school sweetheart. So we stopped doing the prayer time after that. (laughs) I mean, I remember thinking, like, why would you put God to a test like that? God so clearly says in his word that he hates divorce. So no, it's not, we're not going to pray, we're not going to pray that God would affirm what you want to do, I'm going to instead pray that God would convict your heart to be aligned with what he's already revealed in his word. Now, that's, that's not always that cut and dry, but there's plenty of that. Because look, the Bible says our heart is deceitful and that we're going to try to fool ourselves. We're going to try to trick ourselves into into saying, well, I, I'm going to sort of do some calisthenics. I'm going to sort of twist God's word to fit my situation, to fit my scenario. But there are some things that are so clearly revealed in God's word that we don't even have to go beyond test number one in many areas. Test number two. Do other trustworthy followers of Jesus affirm the message? So test number one is about God's word, tested against God's word. Test number two is tested against God's people. This one is so important. Let's look at it in this story, in Samuel's story. So Samuel hears this voice, and the Lord calls to him a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. That's what he had done the previous two times. And he said, here I am, did you call me? See, Samuel didn't recognize God's voice. Samuel didn't know, he, he, he couldn't discern God's voice, so he thought it was Eli calling to him. It was an audible voice. And Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and he did that. Now, spoiler alert, Eli doesn't come out looking very good in this story. But this is the one good thing he does. He has enough sense to recognize that, that this might be God speaking to Samuel. And so he, he gives Samuel some really good advice, and Samuel follows the advice. And sure enough, the, we're going to see how the story ends, that, that then Samuel is able to he, really genuinely hear the message that God is speaking to him. The question for you and for me is, do you have someone, do you have people in your life, are you surrounded by people in your life, godly people who love Jesus, who know God's word, who can help affirm, or not, 
the message you think you're hearing from God. This is so important. Young people especially, I think it's so important. Young people, a lot of times you, you're trying to make, you're, you're going through life and you're, 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 deciding to, you're deciding to listen to what your parents are saying or what your friends are saying. And more often than not, what your parents are saying lines up with what God's word says and what your friends are saying lines up with what you want to do. So I think it's really important to be able to, in our lives when we're making these, these big decisions, to say, I want to I know that there's going to be a, a group of people in my life that can actually speak God's truth into my life that I will listen to. If you don't have people like that, sell your spare tire to find people like that. Do what you have to do to find people like that in your life, people who are going to speak the truth in love to you. This is so important. That's actually, the governing board is part of that for me. You know, this is still a, kind of a new relationship with us. I've known most of these guys for a long time, but these guys, that's part of what we're trying to do together is we're trying to discern God's will together. We're putting, we're putting stuff to the test. We're looking to God's word and what, what God says in his words that our job is as a church. And then we're, we get together every month, and part of that is just to make sure that there's not one person making important decisions for the church it's important that other believers are a part of important decisions, whether it's for the church or for your own personal life. Now, for Tracy and I, 22 years ago, we came out here to Utah to visit, to sniff around, to start to pray about whether this is where God wanted us to plant a church because we knew it was a godly thing to plant a church. It was, according to, it was a biblical thing to plant a biblical church. So test number one was good, but we spent a couple days out here meeting some folks, driving around, checking out the area. We came back to Chicagoland to pray about it. And I'll be honest with you, Tracy and I didn't feel great about it. Tracy and I, we, at first, we, there, it was just different. It was Utah 22 years ago especially was just really different than what we were used to. It was scary to us. Um, we loved the mountains, but the culture was weird for us. And we were, we were really, we were kind of struggling a little bit with that decision. And one of the things that we did, we had, some, we had some spiritual leaders in our lives, we had our family members, and we went to, part of our process was to go to other people and really kind of help try to get wisdom from them as we were trying to make this really important decision. And probably more than anything is we together, we went to each other and we just said, hey, let's really... Like, what do you think? This is a big deal. Like, we're going to be raising our kids out here. This is a big deal to us. And we had, we, we had each other and a couple of other really important people in our lives to help us to make this important decision. I remember just a little bit before that, when I first met Tracy and started dating her, one of the most important things I did to know if this was supposed to be my wife is I got her around my friends. I got her around my family. And young people hear this, young adults hear this, if you're, if you're not married yet. I sought out the counsel of my family and my friends on the fit between me and my wife, or my now wife, Tracy. I said, what do you think? I had a roommate at the time, and I did as much as I could to get her around, me and the roommate, because I wanted, I wanted to know what the, what the godly friends in my life would say about this. I can't explain to you how important that is to do because that shows humility, that shows teachability, 
The worst thing you can do when you start dating someone is separate yourself from all of your friends. And now you've got nobody that's able to speak into your life and and say, hey, there's a little bit of a red flag here, a yellow flag here. It's so important to get them around. There's, you know, sin, sin flourishes in the darkness, in isolation, in hiding. And that's why this second test is so important. When we're making important decisions, or even not, even just somewhat important decisions in our lives, it's so important for us to go to other believers and say, what do you think? I'm all ears. Help me to make a good decision here. That's test number two. And here's the third test. And this is where we'll tell the rest of the story in case you missed it. Are you really listening to God? The test is your attitude. Are you really listening to God or are you just trying to get your own way? And this is one where we just need the Holy Spirit to convict your heart and my heart and our hearts in this because the heart is so deceitful and it's so easy, it's so easy to try to get God to rubber stamp something that you've already decided in your heart you're going to do. And sometimes that's sin and sometimes it's just not God's best for your life. And you're getting God to rubber stamp. You, your attitude is, really essentially, your attitude is, I'm going to do this no matter what, but I'm going to try to proof text it. I'm going to do whatever I can to try to make it look like God's okay with this. Man, I've seen this so many times in believers' lives, and it's sad because what ends up happening is it's destructive for those people. It just brings pain and trouble into their life in the long run. It's not helpful to anyone. Let's look at Samuel's story. This is really interesting. It says in 1 Samuel 3, verse 10, the Lord came and called us before. So this was after Samuel, Eli told Samuel to go do it one more time. And so, so God called another time. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, finally, this time, speak, your servant is listening. Just like Eli told him to do. And here's, I love this parallel verse from John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You know, uh, we see this kind of, the example of this in Samuel's life, that he's got this, this attitude, this heart. Let's go back to that verse. He's got this heart that says, I'm listening. I want to hear, hear what you're saying. Like, I, I genuinely, I genuinely want to hear, God, what you're saying. Wouldn't it be so good if God spoke audibly to us? Wouldn't that, we wouldn't even need this sermon if he spoke audibly. We'd just be like, just listen to what he's saying to you audibly. But God doesn't speak audibly to most of us. I've never heard him speak audibly to me. I've never actually heard his voice. But there are many times in my life where I've had to discern what I felt, where I felt like he was leading me. And probably that's where most of you are as well. And this third test is so important. Is your attitude... Like Samuel's attitude. God, I'm listening. Whatever you say, no matter what you say, I want to do your will. I don't want to do my will. I don't want to sort of ramrod my will into the situation. I want to listen and I want to do your will. I want to do what you have to say, no matter what you have to say. For Tracy and I, I remember we were, 22 years ago, we were sitting there over a burger and we were, we were wrestling with whether to come to Utah. And, and I distinctly remember just, just we didn't, 
I'll be honest, we didn't want to. Like we didn't, we didn't really want to. Like in our heart of hearts, we were afraid. It felt, it felt too different to us. It felt too scary to us. It, felt too, it was 1,400 miles away in a culture that we didn't really understand. And it's, it felt creepy to us, to be honest with you. So we didn't want to. Like our, our attitude, that was kind of a little bit our attitude. We didn't really want to. But we, at the end of the day, we just said, we feel like God's calling us there. We've, we've just got to do it. Do you have examples in your life where you really wanted to do something else, but you felt like God was leading you to do this other thing instead? And it's important for us to have examples like that. Because our hearts are deceitful and they can lead us astray. And it's so important for us to have this attitude that says, God, your will be done no matter what. Not my will, your will. I want to be, be like what Jesus is talking about. I want to be his sheep who listens to his voice. Not just listening to my voice reverberating in my own head. Not just listening to what I want to hear. Not just following my heart. But really following what God is calling me to do. And sometimes that's going to that's mean doing something that's uncomfortable for me. Because that's what happened to Samuel. Do you want to see what, this, what the message was? You know, a lot of people know about this story that God called to Samuel three times, but very few people actually know what the message was that God was trying to get through to him. It's really interesting. Here's the message. First Samuel 3, verse 11, the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Anytime God says that to you, just sit down. He's like, oh no, here we go. He says, I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him. The judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. That was the message. You think Samuel wanted to give that message to Eli? No way. No way. I'm sure Samuel, young, I mean, Samuel right now is maybe eight, nine, ten years old. Could you imagine that? And he's being told to go to speak to the priest of God in the temple and tell him, it's over for you. It's over for you. It's over for your kids. You're done. I'm Samuel. I'm eight years old and I'm out. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure Samuel's like, really? But what I love about the story is that Samuel did it. His attitude was, it just lined up with what he said. Speak. I'm listening. Whatever you want to say, I want to hear it. And then he says something that's incredibly awkward and uncomfortable for Samuel. And Samuel follows through on it. This is what hearing the voice of God is all about. It's about saying, God, your will be done. This is how Jesus prayed in the, in the garden before he went to the cross. He said, your will be done. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this, going to the cross. But he said, your will be done, not mine. And Jesus went to the cross, even though he didn't want to, because he knew that was God's will in his life. Samuel spoke to Eli, even though he didn't want to, because that was God's will in Samuel's life. And by the way, for the rest of Samuel's life, God continued to speak to and through Samuel. God used Samuel in incredible ways, even, even to the point where he anoints David as king of Israel. And Samuel had this incredible role in the history of Israel. And if you want to be used by God, 
if you want to have a life that, is, that produces fruit, if you want to have a life that brings joy and life to the full, then you really should put any decision through these tests. Does it line up with God's word? Does it match with what God's people around me are saying? And is my attitude such that I'll do whatever he calls me to do? I think when you do those things, you can make good choices and God will lead you like he did for Samuel. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help us to apply this word to our lives. I know there are husbands and wives here. There are moms and dads. There are young people here. There are young adults, young professionals here. There are empty nesters here. There are grandmas and grandpas here. God, we, we always have decisions to make in our lives. We're always faced with decisions in our lives. It's, like, it's almost like life is just a constant test. God, I pray that we will pass the test. God, I pray that we'll be like Samuel, God, that we'll just, we'll just have this attitude that says, I'm, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I, he- I want to hear your voice, Jesus. I want to I follow your path, not mine. I don't want to just force my way. I don't want to just follow my feelings all the time. God, I really want to hear what you want to speak to me, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I don't like it, even when I would rather do something else. And God, I pray that we would have men and women and families, couples in this room who would do just that. Speak, God, into our situations, into our families, into our church. We're listening. Help us to be obedient to your calling in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.